Welcome to Food for Pod. We're the hosts. And we're hungry. Yes. I'm hungry. I don't know about you. I'm hungry. Cool. Uh, what kind of food do we have? So we have some noodles. Mm-hmm. It looks like a, a carbonara type situation. Close. And then we have a salad with strawberries and green beans. Mm-hmm. It's peas. Peas. <laughs> green bean peas. Yeah. Green peas. And there's, you can't really see the burrata, but that's the there's center of that salad. Uh, okay. Yeah. So what are we having? We're having some Italian foods that we're going to learn a little bit more about. We're having, we're, we're having some fun with cheese. Okay. It's a cheesy kind of it's episode. It's cheesy. It's a cheesy episode. We're going to be real cheesy. Let's eat it. Let's do it. What do you think of your dinner, Dylan? It was good. I liked the pasta, and I don't think I've ever had a strawberry salad before. Oh, really? I think I've seen it on a menu, but it's not. It goes into the category of something I know exists, but I, you know, creature of habit, not something that I order. Not something you typically order. Yes. Yeah, I can see that because it's pretty sweet. Um, but but not too sweet. It yeah. Just, those nice strawberries. How did you like it then? It was since good. it was your first time. It was good. I, uh, you know, I'm glad we split it because you're right. It was, it, it would, you know, it would have been a good dessert for me because it's like cheese yeah. and fruit. So let's talk a little bit about it. So just like a little full disclosure, since we did about 30 episodes with nothing going wrong, this is another one. The past two weeks. And like recently, it seems like we've been messing up. I found a place that I was going to get foods from, and their online ordering has been closed all weekend long, <laughs> and they are too far away for me to risk driving there. And there's a big festival there's parade a huge parade in our neighborhood all so, weekend. So driving, driving is not the uh, it's not the move this yeah. weekend. Moving your car, driving. But luckily, I have access to city bike. Yeah. So, so we ordered from a different place. Yeah. So I wanted to talk today about the noodle dish that we had, which we'll talk about a little bit later, and then burrata specifically. So the original dish that I was gonna get was like a tortellini dish that was filled with burrata and i think that sounds amazing now what is the difference between a burrata and like a mozzarella what do you think the difference is i don't know because it tasted very mozzarella-y to me so it is you could have told me you could have told me that was fresh mozzarella and i would have believed you you are correct because they are very similar so the burrata has a really interesting story so just to like set the scene for everybody what we ended up getting was a strawberry salad with like a balsamic vinaigrette, mm-hmm. snap peas, which I thought was an interesting yeah. textural and delicious element, and then burrata in the middle. So it's basically a salad where burrata was the main focus. It's a cheese salad. It's a cheese salad. There wasn't any lettuce really in this salad. No, but there was what cilantro. What's that? Uh, maybe parsley. Parsley. Because Italian food doesn't usually have cilantro right. in it, but maybe. But I um, I, I will say that. Uh, Balsamic vinaigrette is one of my favorites. Yeah. Basil. Basil. Okay. Um, and then hazelnuts. Yes. Which I also enjoyed. They were a bunch of things that I don't think I've ever eaten in combination, but no, I sure. enjoyed as a group of 
items. What I like about a salad is when everything tastes good together, but also everything tastes good by itself because I take small bites sometimes. And you want to try the individual elements of it. Yeah. And so to answer your question, what is burrata? Yes. It is mozzarella. So you're right that it's similar to fresh mozzarella. The difference with burrata is that you have this solid mozzarella case. Yes. And then on the inside is something called stracciatella, which is basically strands. Stretchy cheese. Stretchy, like of mozzarella. It's mozzarella and string cheese. And a lot of string cheese is mozzarella. So it's like there's the solid mozzarella encasement. And then there's like mozzarella strands that are like soaked in cream. Oh. So... I don't know if you've ever had mozz- have had like a burrata where it's like in the full shell form and then you cut into it and there's kind of like I have ooze. I have but I thought that at the time when I had that it was just mozzarella. <laughs> I mean it is all mozzarella it's just like yeah, how it's formed. a different form from like mozzarella. Right. But I, like when I was learning about burrata one of the things I read is that like if you're making a recipe that calls for burrata and you don't have burrata you could just use fresh mozzarella. Yes. Yeah. Not that different. It's just going to be harder. Yeah, it's not going to Well, it'll be softer than the outside of burrata, but it'll be harder than the inside of burrata. All the way through, and it won't be as like melty yeah, as Yeah, it burrata. won't have that like sort of cream. Yeah. So, what's interesting thing that I learned is that burrata is fancy in the U.S. today. Like, you see it on, like, fancy Italian menus or just, like, as a high-end cheese option in, yeah. like, a nice restaurant. Yeah. And it, because it's delicious. You're and about it, to tell me that it's, like, peasant food in Italy. Yeah, more or well, but what I'm going to tell you is not quite that. What I'm going to tell yeah. you is that it was invented because people didn't want to waste, like, leftover parts of making cheese. Oh Yeah. So it's like, I mean, it's decadent. Like, I get why it's like super, like, high end food, but it's literally just, it was invented. The runoff of mozzarella. Yeah, it's like, what do we do with this extra mozzarella? And they found a way to keep it preserved a little bit longer by putting it in the case. So they think it was invented in the 1920s the first time a reference to burrata appears in print is in a guidebook in 1931 nice. and it's originated to the town of um, andrea in puglia in <coughs> italy so it's like in a southern region of italy and the restaurant we ended up getting the food from coda de volpe they yeah. specialize in southern italy nice. so it makes sense yeah um so there's, uh, like, I say this every time, multiple people claim to have invented burrata, but the most common Al's claim, beef invented burrata. Yes, Al in Chicago. Now, they're the Bianchino family in um, Italy, and basically, the way it came about, like I said, so it was the, the when you make stretched mozzarella, that's where you get the strands. Uh-huh. And so when they had leftover strands when they were making stretched mozzarella, and then they had leftover cream from milking their cows, and they were like, well, how do we carry this around? Like, then they said, okay, we'll make a hard mozzarella pouch, we'll put it inside, 
and then the cream preserves the fresh cheese on the inside, and they use leaves to preserve the cheese on the outside. Correct. Leaves on the outside, cream, cream on, on the, the inside. inside. Exactly. And then you don't eat the leaves, but that was just right. to, to keep it, like, fresh on the, to take it to, like, a market and sell it and for somebody else to eat it. So now when you get burrata in, like, the grocery store, it's not wrapped in leaves. It's just in, like, in a, container. a container. Yeah. But Is that it, was the original. When you get it in, when you get it in the grocery store... Can you buy it, like, a round of mozzarella, or does it normally come in, like, a Tupperware container like ricotta? I think it normally comes in, like, a Tupperware container. Okay, okay. And I think, because it's, I think it's usually in liquid. Yeah. And then you cut into it to get to, like, the good stuff. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And it, the word burrata comes from the Italian word for butter, because it's, like, Buttery, like kind of like spreadable on the inside. Smooth like burrata. Burrata. Yeah, and so it's now really popular. Like I said, burrata d'Andrea is a protected geographical indicator oh. as of 2016. Oh, so it's like it's only burrata if it comes from the burrata region of burrata. Yeah, otherwise it's just sparkling liquid cheese. Sparkle. Sparkling mozzarella. Sparkling mozzarella. <laughs> Otherwise, you're just eating. I think we probably today were just eating sparkling mozzarella because yeah. it didn't say specifically where it came from. Although the one thing that Cota de Volpe is really uh, impressive about is something we didn't order from them, which is they have VPN certified Neapolitan pizzas. Ooh. Which means that they are certified as an official purveyor of a style of pizza from Naples. Well, that's because the the government of Naples uh, sent out people all over the place to start propaganda about how good the Naples pizza is. Are you just reminding us about Thailand? Yes. Or is this... yes. <laughs> I was like, that might be true. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I always am tempted whenever I see uh, burrata. On the menu. Oh, it's, this is an interesting fact, actually, is that you have to be in Puglia to get this uh, protected geographical indicator, but your products don't have to come from there. You just have to make it using the original process in that location. That's got to be tough to, like, monitor, though, you know? Yeah. Who, who uh, is there somebody that goes around the world making sure that... They're, use, they're making it the right way? Well, no. The, the, you have to make it in Puglia. Oh, okay. In order for it to count. Oh, okay. But you, and you have to use the original process. So, but your milk can come from, like, a different part of Italy. Oh, okay. So they've been... Oh, so they can't, like, send milk from Wisconsin to... <laughs> I guess they could. I mean, that seems extremely impractical. <laughs> we want... Wisconsin cheese burrata. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to make burrata cheese curds. Oh, my God. I mean, that would just be like a cheese curd with like a little... A soggy cheese curd? ...sporty surprise inside. It's like a... It's a soggy cheese curd. Soggy cheese curds. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's a food that has really gotten very popular in yeah. a 100-year period. Nice. And, yeah, you have it in salads. You have it by itself. Apparently, you can stuff it in a tortellini. 
which we didn't have today, but I thought was interesting because Barada is from southern Italy, Tortellini is actually from northern Italy. It's, uh, you know, mixing of the minds. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really some fusion. Yeah. So you, Italian, you didn't even know it was fusion. Italian, Italian fusion. <laughs> um, so then, do you know what the other, what the noodle dish was that we had? It was not carbonara, but it tasted a lot like carbonara. It was similar to carbonara, but different. Carbonara has usually egg. Yes. And usually bacon. Yes. This had neither. Right. This but, was um, Casio e Pepe. Casio e Pepe. I think you've had it before. I think we have. It's, um, well, I know you've had it at least once. Is this the one where when you order it at the restaurant, they put it in the cheese block and mix it up? This is the one where you, when you order it at some restaurants, they mix it up inside a cheese block. They bring a giant cheese block to your table, light it on fire. (laughs) And they say, opa. And then they mix it up. (laughs) And then it's all cheesy and gooey. Yeah, I don't think they usually light it on fire. Well, so I've seen, look, I've watched a lot of cooking videos on YouTube, and sometimes they put, like, some kind of, like, grain alcohol or something just to get the cheese. To get the cheese a little melty. Yeah, to get the cheese more meltier. Yeah. And that's uh, more than just, like, a hot, what a hot uh, pasta would do. Right, that makes sense. Yeah, so Casio Pepe is basically, like, real fancy mac and cheese, yeah. in my opinion. I mean, it's not macaroni. No, Typically but, not served on macaroni, but it's Yeah, but just a lot like, of times now, they don't do macaroni on even macaroni noodles. You can get the twisted noodles. It's true, you get, like, penne. Yeah, you could do penne macaroni. Like, we're really stretching what macaroni and cheese macaroni is. Macaroni and cheese is just a vibe. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is usually, usually, but not always, Casio Pepe is a long noodle, mm-hmm. but not always. Um, so this, this time we had bucatini. Yes. Which is what I was expecting to have. That was what they had at the other place too. Do you know what makes a bucatini different from a spaghetti? Uh, because it's from the bucatini region of Italy. Yes. Yeah, spaghetti is just sparkling gluten. Sparkling. What is bucatini? Bucatini is... Like a spaghetti, or as we learned at trivia, a spaghetto. So a bucatino. Yes. A single bucatini is a. I went to uh, I went to college with uh, Giuseppe Bucatino. Is that true? No, but it just sounds like the name <laughs> <Why>? of. <laughs> Why? Giuseppe Bucatino. <laughs> Why did you just say you went to college with a made-up person? Because uh, he was he was a. Uh, who was the guy in the 90s? Uh, Joey Buttafuoco. Sure, okay. These are real Italian names. Who is Joey Buttafuoco? Joey Buttafuoco was a guy in the 90s, I believe. He was, I think he was an actor. Who's the guy? Danny Bonaducci. No, okay. No, that Joe. I, I was right. What? Joey Benefugo is the guy who got his dick cut off. Yeah. Wait, no, that's somebody else, right? No, this is. Oh. Yeah, Joey. No, Joey Benefugo was the one. It was like this the, is a person who. Okay, the, this is. I think. I wait. Okay. The Long Island Lolita. No, that's right. Lorena yeah. Bobbitt. Lorena Bobbitt. This is Amy Fisher. Yes, this is Amy Fisher. I thought Amy Fisher was Lorena Bobbitt because I don't remember my nineties crimes. No, but they blur together because they're like trashy New Jersey people. So Technically he's from New York. 
Whatever. <laughs> Long Island. Long Almost I- the same, but different. Long Island's New Jersey. Sorry for all of our Long Island listeners. It's literally not. <laughs> Basically, in cult- culturally, it's the same. I went to college with someone named Amy Fisher. Oh, no. You gotta change that. Yeah, that's real awkward. Although, now... I'm the age where you could be born Amy Fisher and then find out later who that person is. Does I, that make sense? Like, yes, and I also think that now there are probably plenty of people named Amy Fisher that don't even get questioned about it because it's such yeah, it's a... it's not that famous. There but, was, like, the, like in the early 2000s when I went to college, that was an embarrassing name to have, but right. now I think it's not. But... Joey Buttafuoco still rings true. Well, there's nobody else with that name. <laughs> it's a very fun name. Um, not no relation to Bucatini. So we're having Buttafuoco noodles. They, no. So Bucatini noodles. Bucatini. This is an upsetting story, and I'm closing this Wikipedia yeah, page. Yeah, um, we'll save that for our for our our other podcast where we talk about tabloid stories in the '90s and why the women were wrong. Oh, that would be fun. I think there is a podcast. There's probably a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, you're wrong about does a lot of those. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, re- retroactive or sorry Monica Lewinsky podcasts. Right. Out there's there. there's so many like women that just were treated very badly by the media when they were probably victims in their own situations. But that's not this. That's podcast. That's not what this is about. This is about a noodle. <laughs> And that noodle is called Bucatini. Bucatini. And that is a spaghetti, but with a hole in the middle. Yes. So they... Those had holes in the middle? Yeah. I didn't even know. You can't really tell because the hole is used to, like, get more of the sauce, like, inside the noodle. Mm. So you get, like, more service area. It's like a little hole. It's true. And then you get more sauce on your noodle. And and I don't like a thick noodle normally. So. And it's not a thick, thick noodle because of the hole. Right, but it appears It appears thick. thicker. And then yes. it's um, usually... And it was a little more al dente than I normally could It is noodles. usually al dente, yeah. And uh, Wikipedia says you can use a dry bucatino as a drinking straw. Oh, see, that's, <laughs> that's what we should have done instead of... Uh, Instead of trying to invent, like, paper straws that don't work very well, just been like, here, put a noodle in put it. Put a noodle in your soda. What could go wrong? Um, so, bucatini are originated from Rome, which um, the whole dish, Cazio e Pepe, is also originally Roman, so this is not fusion. Oh, okay. um, buco is the word for hole, and... Um, when I googled what's bucatini, one of the top questions people ask about bucatini is, what's the point of bucatini? <laughs> bucatini. What is it? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so it can be used as a straw. It, like, you get more surface area for sauce. And um, it's harder to make than spaghetti. I believe that. What's the point of bucatini sounds like an album? You know? It it's sounds like, like one Elvis of those... Costello, new album. What's the point of Bucatini? <laughs> I think to me it sounds like one of those like pop science books about like, what's the point of Bucatini and 10 other animal facts or something, but it's not an animal fact. <laughs> um, but it's, it is actually like a lot harder to make because like for like noodles, especially like linguine, you can just kind of roll out your pasta and cut it into yeah. ribbons. This you have to use an extruder because you have to, like, cut a long hole in the middle of the noodle so it's complicated. 
Um, we, in addition to times where we've had Cascio e Pepe with Bucatini and then probably also spaghetti, you've had it with a very interesting pasta one time. Did I have it? Was this when I had squid ink pasta? No. This is when we had it at Rosemary. Oh, no. When they were like, you can't leave Rosemary without eating our Cascio e Pepe. Right. And they used radiatore. Do you remember those, like, little weird... I went to college with radiatore. <laughs> We were in a band with Our Giuseppe first album is called What's the Point of Bugatini? <laughs> um, <laughs> do you remember they were like weird little corkscrew things? Like, but yes. Like, yeah, so... And, and they explained to it that like those were there to catch the sauce. Yeah, they catch a lot of sauce because they kind of have these like ridges. But you know what? I didn't know until I Googled it while I was researching what the point of Bugatini is. And then I was like looking up different pasta shapes. Radiatore is named that because they're shaped like radiators. Oh. Yeah, I can see that now. I mean, they are. They, like, they have these little, they look like a radiator. Like, I didn't, I didn't, like, think of that. If you're listening to this now, look at your radiator. And And then Google Radiatore. And and just. All one word, not a person's name. And think about, uh. You know, just eating your radiator. Yeah, they look like old school radiators. Like, they don't look yeah. like central air. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> no, they look like radiators about what the place I used to live, where it was just like, once it got below a certain degree, it turns it on, turns and, on it's and it screams at you. Real loud. Yeah. Um, yeah, they are extremely talkative radiators. Um, yeah. So then, so we talked about Bucatini. So then what Cassio e Pepe is, is something that you hear on cooking shows because it's one of these dishes that's really, really simple, but really, really hard to get right. Mm-hmm. It only has, besides that's... the pasta, the two ingredients in its name. Rats and, and Pepe's. What, which Wait, one? What? Wait, Cassio. What? Ca- oh. Sorry, I was still on... You're uh, still thinking of radiatory. Radiatory. I was like, none of those words even, like, vaguely invoke a rat. <laughs> it's Casio and Pepe. Yeah. And so it's... So it's... You can also think of it by thinking about what was in the thing we just ate. Cheese. Mm-hmm. And pasta. No. Pasta was already mentioned. Oh. What's the third ingredient? Pepper. Yeah. Because I still have a, peppercorn. a whole peppercorn in my mouth right now. Yeah, that was my one complaint. I don't really like you peppercorns. You hate, like, biting oh into something with pepper. Oh my god, I hate biting into a spice of any kind. Yeah. but Like, like I want all of my spices to be uh, unobtrusive. I have, and, it, and it's not even all spice. It's just, like, anything that's, like, a, a herb or a spice that's too big, like, that you bite in, like... I use like sea salt, and you haven't liked it because it's just it's like too big. You're biting into a salt. I don't want crunchy things in my mushy food. <laughs> that I'm, makes sense. I'm a baby. No, um, no that makes sense. Uh, it's also like too intense for me. Like biting into a peppercorn is too much flavor. I one time, and I think I'm just like constantly reliving this moment when I bite into a spice. One time I bit into a whole cardamom because it was the first time in my life that I had encountered like whole spices in dishes because we mostly ate like hamburger helper. Yeah. And 
it was the most intense labor I've ever had. Hmm. And I was just like, I had to go like find water. I was in like a college dorm, so it wasn't easy to find. Well, why were you guys doing spoonfuls of whole cardamom? Well, it was like somebody's mom had like made food for them. Oh, okay. It was like Indian food. And I was like, yeah, I love Indian food. And then I was not told that like there were things I had to remove before eating. Yeah. And I think everybody assumed that me, a mostly grown adult, could figure it out. But I didn't. I've also, like, eaten a bay leaf. Like, it's just, like, I need to be told, like... You need to take bay leaves out while... Like, that's somebody's problem, because you're never supposed to leave bay leaves in a... Yeah. In a meal. No, I bet sometimes if you're not, like, that careful... Yeah. Like, I would guess you're probably not supposed to leave cardamoms in indefinitely, (laughs) but, like... I am just stupid and eat anything that's put in front of me. No, it works. Uh, no, I, I found good salts that don't do that now, so. Well, good. So anyway, not a fan of the peppercorns. I wish there was more, like, prominent pepper flavor in this version of this. Yeah. But I liked the sauce. That was good. So typically, um, the, the cheese in Casio Pepe is Pecorino Romano, which is a sheep's milk cheese, and... This is a dish that is so simple that it's basically been around for, like, possibly thousands of years. I mean, I believe it. Like, it was basically a shepherd's dish in the Roman countryside, so it originated in Rome. And it was, if you're following sheep around, what are things that you can keep with you? And so, like, dried pasta, Mm -hmm. this pecorino is a hard cheese that keeps for a long time. And then peppercorns. So they are authentic to the original yes. version of the dish using peppercorns, but all of them keep for a long time. And they're all like very densely caloric, which if you're like spending your whole day following sheep around, yeah, I is was, good for you. I was going to say, I, I was like, when we got the food, we were like, oh, there's not very much of it here, but I'm pretty full. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm pretty full too. I was worried because I was very hungry. Yeah. But I am, we still even have a potato, which yeah. was in a third thing that we didn't research because it was just potatoes. Because it was, because, <laughs> I mean, here's, here's a behind the wall, behind the curtain of the, the podcast. Generally, we get a potato side dish that we don't talk about. Because there's only so much you can say about, like, potatoes. And we have. You should go back and listen to our potato episode. Yeah, we've talked about potatoes before. The only, I think the most interesting, or if I had to do, like, top five most interesting things I've learned in the process of doing this podcast, which maybe I'll do for end of year wrap up. Yeah. One of them, I think, is that potatoes are only native to Peru. Yes. Which I've said on the podcast before, but I think is so interesting because they're in literally every cuisine. Everybody everywhere uses potatoes, but they are only native to Peru. Yes. And if they're not from Peru, you have to call them sparkling <laughs> Spark- tubers. Sparkling roots. <laughs> sparkling root vegetables. Um, Remember when we were watching the show and there was like a potato expert and they had sweet potatoes and he was just like, those aren't real potatoes. That was incredible. This was Alex versus America if you're looking for a cooking show to watch and... This guy was, like, the official chef of the American Potato Council. He was was a paid shill for big potato. And he was like, we can't cook with sweet potatoes. Those aren't potatoes. 
those are yams yep. or they, whatever. They have, the, they have their own lobby. <laughs> yeah, that's a different group, and I don't cook with them. I don't acknowledge them. We will throw them away. We will not work with those. <laughs> he was like, show, get it together. These aren't potatoes. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so we did have some potatoes, but the pasta um, was, so it was originally a dish that shepherds would make with things they could carry with them, and then... It became popular in taverns around Rome, and they, when they cooked it, I thought this is a funny fun fact that may or may not be verifiable, but they would intentionally make the sauce really, like, sticky and dry so that people would need more wine, so they would buy more wine. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, that's valid. I could see that. Um, As always, there is a little bit of controversy in this story. Some historians argue that the specific dish Cassio e Pepe originated in the 1800s as a low-cost, high-calorie dish, not for shepherds, but for miners. The what? people who work in mines. Oh, I was like, children? <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's You're a, like, why did you say it that it's way? A, it's a snack for kids after school. It is a good after-school snack. It's delicious. Yeah, you, um, you yeah. feed it to your kids right after school, then they go have to go take a nap because of how much how cheese, cheese and noodles. It is. Yeah, um, a really fun fact that I learned, too, is that Anthony Bourdain is quoted. I found some good quotes about Cassio Pepe. Yeah. Anthony Bourdain said it might be the greatest thing in the history of the world. It's pretty good. I don't hate it. I mean, it's something that I always like, and then I feel silly for ordering it because it's really simple. But if you feel I mean, the same way as me... I mean, do you make it? I don't make it. So it's hard. You, so then you should order it. This is what I learned, is that it's actually, like, complicated to do because you have to, like combine the starchy like the pasta cooking water so you cook your pasta then you take your cooking water and you add that to like the grated pecorino romano to get it so all. That you can make it like rich and creamy without actually adding cream mm-hmm. so here's my question is it kosher to uh put like chicken or shrimp in it i didn't find that the research that i said were mostly people having strong feelings about the cheese and the sauce mm. i think it's i've never seen it really so served probably with... so probably not it's probably this is that's a different dish that's a different dish i think then it would just be like cheesy pasta. lobster mac and cheese yeah. <laughs> um which those are my strong i have strong feelings about the mac and cheese so i get it yeah but I do, I did learn, so you're supposed to use pecorino since it's also originated in Rome and it's a sheep cheese and it's the best apparently for this. But some people use Parmesan because it's a little bit more accessible, especially if you're not in Italy. However, it's from a different region of Italy and it's a little bit sweeter. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's generally more used for Alfredo sauce. I'm assuming that Parmesan is also cheaper. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I think that's like baked in under more accessible. Yeah. Is like if you go to your regular grocer, you'll probably always find Parmesan. And that's like Parmesan definitely has won out the like cheese war that we put on our all of our pastas and stuff. It's all it comes in a yeah. it comes in a container that you could just shake it onto it's a pasta. It's definitely by far the most popular cheese in America and I think that might be an interesting topic for a future episode as the mo- why. Do you think it's the most popular cheese in America over like- No, that's not true. I okay. mean the most popular like Italian Oh, like- okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. We should we should do some research on cheese in America. 
Uh, I mean, what do you think is the most popular cheese in America? Cheddar? Cheddar. Yeah. I would say cheddar. Or American. Yeah. Amer- Kraft Singles. Kraft Singles. Kraft Singles. Well, Kraft Singles is the most popular cheese-adjacent snack. You can't but I bet it's not technically cheese. You can't legally call it cheese, because at no point on a Kraft Single does it say cheese on the package. It doesn't. Like, it's yeah. just Kraft Singles. They're a thing. <laughs> You know what they are. You know are. what they are. Don't, don't ask questions. Don't make, us, don't make us explain it to you. Crest singles. Put it on a sandwich. Look, Why? Because we said so. Look, your kids are going to eat this, so don't worry about it. <laughs> don't ask questions about what's in craft singles. Your kids are going to eat this, and so are you at 2 a.m. when you're just going through your fridge. Yeah. I've definitely eaten a few craft singles yeah. in my life. If you haven't, look, I'm going to say this. If you've never done it, stop listening to our podcast. That's right. Yeah, if you if you ever eaten a craft single, this, we aren't for you. We aren't for you. We're not food snobs. <laughs> when I was in college, around the time that I was eating cardamom's whole, I wait, whose whole? <laughs> Who were you at the with college? The w. <laughs> um, I <laughs> the one thing I learned how to make for myself was. Instant mashed potatoes. Yep. And then I would tear up a little one craft single <laughs> and, and I would up. sprinkle it on top and then I would microwave it and then I would mix it up. Yeah. And then I would have cheesy mashed potatoes. Yeah. I thought you said you didn't know how to cook. That's I a, know how to be quite, resourceful without good, me skills. That's a good meal right there. That was um, something that I had for dinner a lot uh, in college. So uh, I have some quotes that I want to share with you about some. Some Italian food experts were interviewed about different questions related to Casio e Pepe. I don't think that they called me, so... Well, <laughs> I don't know what you'd say. I you say, thought that was carbonara. I'd say, mm good. <laughs> uh, they could have used a craft single on top of it. <laughs> I would have made it with craft singles. Um, so, on the debate between pecorino and parmesan, one expert very helpfully said, if all you have is a good quality parmigiano, the Casio e Pepe police are not going to come and arrest you. Here's my question. Is the, like, powdered stuff that comes in the cylinder No, good that's not quality? a good quality. The Casio e Pepe police will be it on your case. beat me up. <laughs> Take me to pasta jail. And then... Do you know the easy... Do you know what the problem with pasta jail is? Pasta jail? The bars are made the bars out of are noodles. Made of noodles. So you can... <laughs> Easy to escape, pasta jail. <laughs> the most delicious jail. I wonder if this is pronounced caccio, and I've just been saying it wrong all day. Well, we're American, so we can get up. away with it. Caccio e Pepe. Danny Bonaducci. Because it only has one C. Um, and then the second quote is. If you tell someone who lives in Rome that you put cream in a cacio uh, e pepe, uh-huh. not even going to jail, it says, he'll jump on your head. <laughs> Execution on site. <laughs> By jumping. It's apparently a Roman with like a six foot vertical. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's Luigi. It's, uh, it's, uh. Dalio Gallinari, the Italian <laughs> basketball player. He jumps on your He's head. He's going around jumping on people's heads. <laughs> We're putting cream in their noodles. Yeah. So avoid that. But okay. if you have Parmesan, that's fine. Um, and then I also did learn the technique of making the sauce in a cheese wheel, which is very fancy. And those cheese wheels aren't cheap. 
No. Like, it's real expensive to get one of those big-ass wheels of cheese. Yeah, I learned that on Supermarket Sweep. Yeah. Because that's, what you, because that's what you go for. You go for that and then, like, six racks of ribs. And then diapers. And, the, and then the Yetis. Like Which is the, a, that's a, that's a bad, uh statement about our economy that it's like diapers are like good to get on well i guess they're really big packs but diapers should be free i don't know why people don't just go and get like fill their car up with saffron you know yeah like that's well because you can only get five okay of each thing but i still think five saffrons would be easier to like shove in a cart than than five yetis yetis, but what do i know yeah no i see we didn't we, we would plan this out. That would be a great podcast guest is somebody who's been on Supermarket Sweep to teach us Supermarket Sweep strategy. Yeah. Because I've always thought that. I'm like, there must be smaller things that are expensive. Like yeah. vanilla. Vanilla's a good but one. But it's not as expensive as the cheese wheels because those are like right. probably like $60. And oh, if, like $20. If, if not more, yeah. Yeah. Like I feel like, and I guess like big cuts, like get, get like tomahawk steaks that are like. Yeah. But I guess you can't go behind the uh, the counter. You can't just like steal from the butcher. <laughs> it's like, it's like the, the supermarket sweeps and like the guy, like I'm at the counter just like looking at fish to make sure like <laughs> it's the right kind. What if like you could just go behind the counter and take like the butcher equipment? <laughs> I, I got this. I got, I got this, this meat slicer. This deli, this deli slicer. <laughs> You just take like a expensive camera, like one of the lights. <laughs> Liz is uh, come come out with the cash cash register and all the money that's in it. There's, there's no money in the supermarket sweep cash register because it's not a real supermarket. It is a real supermarket. I thought there's an audience. Okay, maybe that's what's the Guy Fieri one? Guy's Grocery Game. Yeah, I think that's a real supermarket. Maybe. Maybe not. It's in Flavortown. <laughs> it's they, it's they, the Flavortown market. It's the Flavortown market. <laughs> Who are we talking about being like the congressman that represents Flavortown? Like a real congressman? No, but I think there was like a joke about that. Maybe that was just a different conversation. I mean, I, I feel like Pete Maybe Davidson, I dreamed it. I feel like Pete Davidson would be a Flavortown congressperson. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Pete Davidson is the, the rep. Yeah, the state rep. What state is Flavortown in? Well, I feel like it's like Springfield, you mm, know? It's a little bit of everywhere. Yeah. There's this Flavortown in all of us. <laughs> Truer words have never been spoken. <laughs> There's always a Flavortown. Just around the corner. Should we talk about some other places we ate sure. in our life? Sure. Um, where have we eaten recently? You know Last where... week, if you are keeping up, last time on... Where have Dylan and Liz eaten recently? We talked about the Olive Garden. It was great. When you're there, you're family. Yeah. I wanted to ask you to help me recap uh, when we went to Little Goat. Yes. Which time? Both times. Yes. We went to Little Goat. Little. Uh, why is Little Goat interesting? Little Goat's interesting because they moved it to us recently. It moved it just because of us. Yeah, I don't know if you've learned this from our podcast, but we, as much as we like food, we don't really like to leave our neighborhood. Yeah, but this is nice because it's a Stephanie Isard uh, restaurant, and it's... First female winner of Top Chef. Yep. First, goat Empire. I was going to say, first goat winner of... The I, Goat Goat. The Goat of Cooking Goat. Yeah. 
Uh, no goat on the menu, a little goat, though. No, but uh, it's a diner that is set up in a former uh, bar with a bowling alley. There's no more bowling alley, just restaurants. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about this on the chicken sandwich. Because Gigi's chicken G- is in the same building. Gigi's is right next door. Uh, it was so good. We went, and then we needed a place to take my parents for brunch, and we went back. Yeah, Little Goat is part of a revolution that I support, which is being open for brunch every day. Yeah, but so. it, but it's like, it makes sense because it's a diner. Yeah, it's meant to be a diner, so it's open for breakfast and lunch. The other interesting thing is, do you know what's across from Little Goat? This place where we got this food from. Yes. Could have all day. Yep. We're just really honing in on Southport and school. The Southport Corridor. Yeah. Uh, but it, I think I was very... We got breakfast stuff one time we went, and we got sandwiches the next time we went. Yep. And, yeah, when we go with your parents, all four of us got sandwiches. Right. And I was excited because when we got the sandwiches, we got the chili cheese fries where we got to taste the chili crunch. Yes. That you can also now get in the grocery store. And here, I, I feel like, so your sister gave us chili crunch. For Christmas. For Christmas. And I don't think that I gave it... Maybe it needed to be mixed up a little bit more. I felt like it was super oily, and I was like, that's a weird thing that I'm not going to like. But I liked it. I Um, liked it on the fries. I think the problem is is that when we ate it, we didn't really look up what to do with it. We were kind of just using it as a dipping sauce. Use it as a dipping sauce for pieces of cheese, I think. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like something my family would do. And it wasn't bad, but I think the consistency... You're right, the texture consistency oiliness yeah it wasn't like great in that as a dip for pieces of cheese right but i was like this has potential because it tastes really good yes and it's definitely like a trending food product i think i'm seeing more people selling chili crunch lines i think that i saw it at like a farmer's market that i went to yeah uh down the road here a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's definitely a food trend that we as foodies have our eye on. Beer, 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 beer. No, I, but I liked it in the chili cheese fries. No, I think Stephanie Izard is a chef that always impresses me with her ability to make a dish that has eight to ten ingredients that don't seem like they go together. Yeah, and it always tastes amazing, and so it's just really creative, or just a really like mathematical understanding of like flavors and what works together that is surprising i had a refreshing conversation with a chef today actually and i'll get into that later on a different episode why i was talking to a chef oh we can talk about it on this episode. oh that's fine but he was <laughs> he was saying that his philosophy he worked and he's worked in everything from like bars to like michelin star restaurants and now he uh, he's a private chef for, he was the private chef when Taylor Swift was here. Oh, wow. He was the private chef for all the Wrigley Field, like the chef that does the food for the stars that come in. Oh, cool. And he was saying that his philosophy is mixing things that taste good. He's not a big fan of like knowing where things are from. Like, you know, the trend now is just like, you have to, like, know the farms that they come from. Yeah. He's like, I don't care about that. I just want it to taste good. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's kind of refreshing coming from 
somebody in the industry. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think Stephanie Isard is similar yeah. in that, like, she'll use high-end and low-end ingredients. There was a Sunday on the menu that I didn't try, but I am interested in that has Cheez-Its in it. Ooh. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And I like Cheez-Its. But there are some people that would, like, thumb their nose at using Cheez-Its as a uh, ingredient. And yeah. there are some people that would thumb their nose at, like, putting kimchi in a uh, Bloody Mary. Yeah, but I know the Bloody Mary is really good. Yeah. I think that, but I think that's a little bit... I think Bloody Marys uh, are, a, are an acquired taste, generally. I think we could do a whole episode on just Bloody Marys. I feel like we've touched on Bloody Marys a little bit. Yeah. And, like, different ways of making them and different snacks to put on them. But I think, like, the that was, like, reinventing it was the interesting thing about the, the with the kimchi. Yeah, and I also felt like... Something that was impressed me about what I've had at Little Goat versus the original location that I hadn't been to in a minute is a lot of the dishes were a little bit lighter than yeah. I was expecting. Like, there's definitely heavy dishes, but I had the shrimp and grits Yeah. Um, the first time I ate there, and it was surprisingly light, and speaking of putting weird ingredients and things, I'm pretty sure it had pistachios in it. Yeah. And so it was shrimp and grits, but it wasn't a very, like, heavy cheesy southern version it was almost like an italianish version because there was like a tomato sauce and i'll tell you that's why like it wasn't my favorite shrimp and grits i've ever had not because not because it wasn't good but because when i think of grits i think of just like the block of cheese <laughs> in your grits yeah not, not unlike the pasta we had today yeah no i definitely i wasn't mad about it but i definitely was like man i do realize how much I love cheese and grits. But it was just a different dish. Yeah, it's a different like, style, yeah. And it's, then the second time, I guess I got shrimp again because I got the shrimp sandwich, and that yeah. was so good. I, the shrimp were buttery. They I were delicious. I was so happy with my pork belly sandwich. Oh, yeah. Just because pork belly is the truth. <laughs> and I think we all had, like, different forms of slaw on our yeah. sandwich. But you had waffle fries on I your did. sandwich. Waffle waffle sweet potato fries oh not yeah. usually your thing no but it it definitely did not see my thing with sweet potatoes is they generally take away from other things because you're only tasting like the sweet potato mm -hmm. and this was uh, a compliment to yeah the sandwich not a deterrent it's balanced like it's definitely i think stephanie Isard is a chef where i will eat something on her menu that includes an ingredient I don't like because I will assume it's in an appropriate balance and it won't be overpowering. So next time we go there, you're getting the cilantro quesadilla. Ha! I mean, there's a difference between the, I don't prefer this and, and I actively can't eat this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... So I think... Uh... That yep. was maybe our, that was our most recent interesting... Yeah, I mean, we're pro, pro that, and we're probably going to have to try, like, that's one of the restaurants where you, you're just like, I don't, I want to try everything, kind of a... Yeah, I do want to try everything. It's, I mean, it's, it's not as big of a menu, it's definitely more streamlined, because it's a few breakfast items, and a few sandwiches, and yeah. then fries as sides. Yeah, so, well, Liz... I think that's an episode. Are we full? I'm full. I'm full. Let's go take a cheese in. Oh, uh, yeah. That sounds great. I'm going to dream of sparkling mozzarella. Sure.
and craft cycle. <laughs>